0: It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey y'all, thanks so much for joining me for Session 70 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Our episode today focuses on one of my favorite things to discuss, social media and how it impacts our mental health.
1: My dad would always tell me when we were growing up, And he's a military guy, and he would say quotes that would go over our heads, but now it makes sense. He would say things like, you know, to live by a man's compliments is to die by their criticism. Mm. And I think that's what we're doing when we're on these social media platforms.
0: But before we dive into the episode, I want to share some very important information about our sponsor for this week's episode, Black Girls Heal. If you heard session 59 of the podcast... You'll remember my incredible conversation with Sheena Tubbs when we discussed some of the issues Nova Bordelon of Queen Sugar might benefit from addressing in therapy. If you haven't already, then I definitely suggest you check it out. Well, Sheena is also the creator of Black Girls Heal, and she's preparing to start a 12-week program that may be of interest to you if you're struggling with the effects of unresolved childhood trauma battling self-doubt and low self-esteem, have a fear of making decisions or being good enough, or if you keep repeating the same mistakes in romantic relationships as well as dating the wrong person. Focused on giving women active tools to manage anxiety, fear, symptoms of depression, improve boundaries in current toxic relationships with family members and partners, And build their self esteem, the 12 week Black Girls Heal program focuses on giving practical and actionable skills coupled with coaching that women can use in their everyday life while healing and reprogramming negative self beliefs from traumatic wounds. Sheena is a trauma therapist and coach, and designed the program to start the healing process as you find a therapist or to supplement your current therapy as an active skill resource and community. To kick off the launch, Sheena will be hosting a free masterclass on Friday, August 17th at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. The title of the masterclass is What's the Ache? Uncovering the Impact of Childhood Emotional Neglect and Three Steps to Heal. To join the masterclass, and be signed up for notifications when the doors open, you can register by going to therapyforblackgirls.com slash BGHmasterclass. And of course, all of this information will be in the show notes so you can read more about it and register for the class. Now let's get back to the episode. For this conversation, I'm joined by a very special guest therapist, Dr. Audrey Townsend who is a psychologist in Memphis, Tennessee, and my line sister. Dr. Townsell earned an undergraduate degree in psychology from Xavier University of Louisiana, and then a master's and doctorate degree in clinical psychology at Nova Southeastern University in South Florida. Dr. Townsell returned to Tennessee in 2010 to become the Director of Psychology at Western Mental Health Institute. Shortly after, she began her career with Shelby County Jails as the Director of Mental Health in 2011, overseeing mental health services provided to the incarcerated throughout Memphis, Tennessee. Inspired by the obvious lack of psychological resources, she established Calix Psychological Services to meet the needs of the community and to continue educating and attempting to reduce the stigma of mental illness. Dr. Townsend and I chatted about how social media platforms can impact our self-esteem, why the comparisons we make between ourselves and others on social media aren't entirely accurate, and she shared her favorite tips for helping you to have a healthier relationship with social media. If you hear something that really strikes a chord with you, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Townsell. Oh, Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to finally get you on the podcast so that we can chat about <laughs> all things social media. Um, and of course, you know, like lots of different therapists who've come on the podcast have kind of hinted at the impact that they are seeing social media have on their clients, but I definitely wanted to talk with you today specifically about how it is impacting clients' self-esteem, because I know you work with that a lot with some of your clients. So can you tell me more about what you're seeing?
1: Oh, absolutely, but before I start, I want to let your audience know how proud of you (laughs) I am, and that this is nothing that we didn't imagine that would happen for you. You've always been you know, the voice of reason for all of us. So uh, <laughs> e- even when I hear your podcast and I hear your tone, I was like, she's always been like that. The 20 years that I've known her, she's always been like that. So I'm <laughs> super excited for your success. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't have imagined anything different. Thank you. No problem. So as far as um, what I'm seeing in social media, um, in regards to my, my patient population, I, I first want to say that, we all have been impacted in some way, shape, or form by something on social media, Um, unless you live on a remote island with no internet access. (laughs) Um, We've all have encountered some type of um, influence from social media. But I think social media doesn't always have to be negative. You can find inspiration and motivation from some posts, some social media quotes and even pictures Mm -hmm. you know I I know a lot of um of my clients use Pinterest to find you know cool do-it-yourself ideas I personally you know follow style pantry just to you know see some nice fashion tips and inspirations on fashion so social media doesn't always have to be negative but in regards to what I see in therapy it is Um, I hear a majority of my clients report and are showing the negative impacts of social media on how they view themselves. Um, But first, I want to be very, very clear by saying social media is not the cause of low self-esteem. But it has the right elements to contribute to it. Um, There are plenty of studies out there that correlate. Um, depression, anxiety, body image issues, to the frequency of social media usage. But the truth of the matter is, this is a natural human instinct to judge our progress or our success in life on how we see that we match up against other people. So much so, there was a term coined in the 1950s called social comparison theory that really labeled this concept of how we view ourselves in comparison to other people. Um, But the truth is, Joy, we've all done this, right? So if you could think back of when we were in college, and we took a biology exam, and we got the grades back, what's the first thing that everyone did?
0: What What grades did you make? What did
1: you get? (laughs) Like, what did you make? And what we were doing, we were measuring how we stacked up against our peers. But the problem that we have with social media comparisons is that we're judging ourselves against perfectly crafted, well-thought-out posts and altered images, right? So in essence, we're creating real emotions from false images. People are comparing their realistic offline selves to our idealistic, online sales of other people that are purely just images. And so that's the problem that we're seeing with social media.
0: All right, Audrey. So you have given us a whole word just in this first question. (laughs) So so I definitely want us to break some of this down, right? Because I think the first thing you said that really struck out to me was that social media is not the real culprit here, right? Like it is not what is causing maybe low self-esteem or issues with depression, but it definitely heavily contributes to what may be happening.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. If you think about a person who would identify themselves with the image that they see online, you have to just imagine there are a lot of underlying issues that help that person develop the self-esteem that they have that would cause them to absorb all of those external triggers to kind of come up with this image that they have of themselves. So it's not social media that's causing the low self-esteem those issues were already there it contributes to how we express ourselves
0: yeah and you mentioned a good point i think thinking about you know to when we were in college right because we were kind of right on the brink of like everybody getting email addresses and stuff and i don't even yes. know if we were on, i don't think we were on facebook in college i don't think um, no thank god <laughs> <laughs> we, we all we had
1: was, I think, my MySpace had just launched.
0: Yes, you're and, uh, right. You're right.
1: Yeah. and So, so thank God we didn't have uh, Facebook.
0: Yes. But I think you bring up a good point, though, because it's always been there, right? It's a natural tendency, like mm-hmm. you said, to want to compare yourself to your peers, to kind of know where do you fall in in the group, kind of what, you know, how do you compare to other people? So can you talk a little bit That's more good. about, like, what it looked like maybe 20 years ago before we had social media versus like the way that it looks now
1: Uh, absolutely i mean we can just use the example that i use as far as school we were able to compare how we matched up with our immediate peers you know these are people that we knew and that we were like on the kind of similar playing fields with well you know similar to that we have a group of peers on social media but a lot of times we're not on the equal playing grounds, right? So it's almost like people who are in entry-level jobs are looking at Instagram pages or any social media platform of people who have been working in the field for 20 plus years. So that's an uneven playing field. Um, so that's kind of really the the dangerous part about social media. You you haven't been able to identify your immediate peer group because of those differences and it's just a lack of information that you have about the other people. So back in the day, you know, we would sit down and say, you know, who are you? You know, what classes did you take? And and you were able to sit down with that person, gather information and, and be able to compare yourself in an intimate setting. Whereas Facebook, there's no real intimate setting and being able to identify your peers.
0: But you know, Audrey, I think that's what oftentimes feels very confusing because I think, and of course, there's a lot of psychology behind like everything that goes into social media, like why we spend so much time Mm -hmm. on it. Like, of course, they hire people to help us stay on these platforms, right? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> but I so I do think that there is a real sense of intimacy though that feels like it is created when you are friends with people or you're kind of seeing people's Instagram stories and they're kind of living out their entire days or most of their days on Instagram. So you're like following mm-hmm. them. So I think it does breed this certain sense of intimacy that is not actual.
1: Yeah, I think that's a false sense of intimacy. One, because what you're seeing on social media is only a a, a movie reel of of what they're seeing. It's it's a short clip of their entire life, right? So it's just like a movie. If we see a movie trailer, they want to show us the most exciting parts of that movie, right? To draw us into, you know, spending our money in a movie theater. But they never show us the making, the, the behind the scenes or the making of the movie. They never show us the blooper reels. They never show us, the, the outtakes or the alternative endings, right? So mm. when we see, you know, these, uh, again, highlight reels of someone else's life, we feel like we're connected to them. But that's not all. That's mm. not all. That's not, that's one moment in that person's entire day, entire life. But most importantly, it's what that person wants to present to us from their experience. So they have control over what we see. Um, how we view them and so it's really not a actual realistic intimate relationship when someone is not being authentic and not being open and showing you exactly what's going on behind the scenes.
0: right very good point because like you mentioned you know like if we're offline, you're seeing me across multiple days. You know, if I've had a bad day and you ran into exactly. me on the door and you knew that and we could talk about it versus, okay, if I decide to share this good day I have on social media, then that's the only clip that you're really seeing of me.
1: Exactly. It's, it's like the people that I see, you know, out in public and they're holding their cameras in the air and, they, and they're taking like 50 shots and they're, you know, it's almost like they're at a photo shoot with their camera phone and they're turning their head and they twisting to the right angle, you know, to get the right light, and then they choose which image they want to present. And mm-hmm. then you see them a week later, they don't have makeup on, hair pulled back in a ponytail. That's not the person that you saw on social media, right? So, so what does that say about us about the information that we're receiving and how we're filtering what people put out for us to um, get from their experience? So we have mm-hmm. to be mindful of that.
0: Yes. Very good points. So how do you start to chip away at some of this with your clients? Like, where would you even start to help them, you know, really understand like the false sense of intimacy that's created and the impact that this is having maybe on them?
1: First, I start by, you know, just getting an idea of how social media is impacting their lives. Again, like I said before, social media is not the cause. So there are so many other underlying issues that need to be addressed um, in therapy um and social media is just an avenue of getting to some of those issues um but the one thing i like to you know work with my clients on is the reality of the situation you know just just real hardcore facts about what what we're dealing with right now so you know the one thing i i, I work with them on is realizing that one there's plenty of happiness plenty of beauty And plenty of success to go around the world like 10 times, if not more. Um, Just because someone posts hashtag YOLO on their picture doesn't mean that you can't YOLO too, right? (laughs) So, you know, I tell them like it's, it's enough of that to go around so you don't have to feel like just because someone else did it, happiness is only limited to that person. So just getting them to understand that you can, if that's what you choose to, you can also do that as well. But also being aware of their energy shift, meaning that when you're on social media and you're in a positive mood, but then your energy starts to shift in a self-critical, you know, area. That's why I really work with them on being aware of that type of energy shift. And then in those moments, like digging deep inside and asking, what is it about what I saw? What is it about this moment or this experience that's really bothering me and causing me to shift my energy? And just like you shifted that energy to a self-critical space, you have the power to shift it back. You have the power to shift to making that post an inspirational post. So working with that with my clients on learning how to take control of their thoughts, take control of their energy, and being empowered to know that you don't have to stay in a space where you're self-critical and you're using fuel to defeat yourself. But I also work with them on being um, less reactive and more proactive. So it's reactive when you get emotional or when you get self-critical when you see a social media post. That's a reaction to that trigger. But I use that moment to say, okay, what about that reaction is causing you to feel this way and what can you do to reach whatever goal that you feel that this image represents? So turning that into being proactive setting goals, actually, this is what I tell my clients all the time, it's always a dream and a dream will stay in your head until you write it down and put a date on it and then it's a goal, right? And then when you start writing down steps, then it's a plan. So how can we take using, shifting that energy from being self-critical to making it an inspiration, turning that dream that you have that's fueled by that image, turning it into a, a plan? So that's what we really work on. And I challenge a lot of my clients by taking a step further. So if you see a post or if you see an image on on a social media platform that causes you to shift your energy to being self-critical, not only can you create your own plan, but why not give positive vibes to that person? Send positive energy to that person by complimenting them, letting that person know that they are inspiration or or asking just simply, you know, how did you get that? I could tell you my fitness journey started with a Facebook post and me asking someone, how did you get that body? You know? So Mm -hmm. it's simple as that. It's difficult to um, be inspired by someone and also be um, envious of that person to the point where you're self defeated. So that caused a level of cognitive dissonance within ourselves. That is it's difficult for us to kind of sit in that space. So challenging my clients to go a step uh, uh, beyond that and, and making sure you shift that energy in a positive way and send positive vibes to that person.
0: Yeah, so it really sounds like doing a lot of kind of cognitive behavioral work, kind of, you know, like journaling about, okay, what was triggered mm-hmm. for me when I saw that post? You know, what kinds of things came up for me? Because like you said, you know, the post was only the trigger. Whatever was there was already there even before you saw the post, right? And so it's absolutely. just an indication that there is some work to be done in this area, and now we need to focus on what that area is versus the actual social media.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely and the more your clients uh, kind of open up, you start to see that this is a, a systemic kind of chronic problem for them for a very long time. It didn't start with them getting a, a login to a social media platform. This has been going on for quite some time. And so just working with them on the root of the problem and not just, you know, the petals that we see, but really kind of digging deep into really how do we resolve this overall issue of self-esteem. Got it.
0: So one of the questions that I asked, so this whole month, of course, is uh, Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I've been doing Mm -hmm. a question a day to help people, you know, kind of think about the different ways they could be mentally well. And one of the questions I asked last week was, how would you describe your relationship with social media? And so that gave me some great information. People had lots of different Mm -hmm. responses. But one thing that I found really interesting was that people have different reactions to different platforms. So Mm -hmm. people, you know, love or hate Instagram for one thing or they love or hate Twitter for something or love or hate Facebook for a different thing. Have you seen the different platforms kind of foster different kinds of feelings and emotions?
1: When you gave me this topic, I polled my clients and I asked them, you know, Mm -hmm. how how do they feel about this particular topic? And really, I hear um, that... Some people really gravitate towards the visual images of Instagram versus, you know, the the commentary of Facebook. Um, and it, I think it really just depends on the person, you know, mm-hmm. what what your personal preference is. Um, but not only that, I, I feel like there are so many social media platforms that we have to be mindful of their intent. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so shocked to hear. You know, And my clients think I am older than I am because I, I'm i really not <laughs> on a lot. I'm only right. on one social media platform. And they told me that, you know, they're finding dates on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, when did LinkedIn become, you know, Christian <laughs> mingle or Tinder? Like, what is going on? <laughs> right. And so really, a, any social media platform is really what you make it out to be. Mm-hmm. How you use it, and so it can it can come up with you know it can be created for its own intended purposes, but it's really how that individual purpose that person uses that platform, and you know how they see themselves in that space
0: yeah and then you know in some of the discussions last week it feels like people had the strongest like negative reactions to facebook like people and i'm sure it has had something to do with like all of the news we've been hearing about facebook right or related to like fake fake news and um you know all of the stuff around the elections and i think a lot i think because facebook is more of a discussion platform you know it has just a lot of like very Tense conversations for people, you know, especially since the election, whereas Instagram yeah. is more visual, right? And so you're kind of posting <laughs> pictures and captions, but you're not necessarily having a whole bunch of discussion on Instagram. So it is yeah. like there was and, more negative emotion related to Facebook.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm going to take that a step further because I was having this debate <laughs> with, with a colleague yesterday. I don't think we want to hear what's real. I don't think we want to hear someone's true emotions about something that they we want to be happy. We, we want to go on Facebook, Instagram and all these other social media platforms to see what they are and what they, and what we aren't. We, we want this idealistic image of the world. And, and, and for example, how many times have you read when someone is really, you know, emoting or, you know, and saying how they really feel about something and say, oh, I can't believe they said that on Facebook. But that's how that person really felt about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Or when someone puts, you know, something personal on Facebook and our response is, oh, this is not the place. Why? Well, why, why wouldn't it be the place if that's where they choose to share that information? We want to only see, you know, a, a person's happy side so that we have something com- to compare that to. But this is real life. When people use these social media platforms to kind of express who they are. And with some people, who they are is not always good. But we don't want to see that. We don't want to hear that. We block them or, you know, we screenshot it and say, oh, my gosh, look what they did. But that's who that person is. So I think that, you know, and I agree, I agree with you, people are gravitating away from Facebook. For me, I think, because of their reason and moving more toward less commentary less um social interaction in in the way of you know going back and forth in a conversation versus i just want to see pictures and that's all i want to see
0: mm that's a good point i hadn't considered that So another thing that I think that has kind of been fostered on social media is FOMO, right? Like this whole fear of missing Mm -hmm. out. Like you see your friends Snapchatting from a party that you didn't get invited to and you feel like you're being left Mm -hmm. out. So tell me, what are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, I think it's real. And I think that it's all, again, it's always been there. You know, going back to when we were younger, you remember when, um, what is the show, it's a different world without it. We had to make sure that we saw it, you know, in real time (laughs) so that the next day we can go to school and we can be a part of the table talk. We can say, yeah, we saw it too, right? Mm -hmm. We wanted to be accepted, we wanted to be included, we wanted to be validated. So, and we wanted to be a part of that in crowd. And that's no different, you know, than what we're seeing now with these social media platforms. People want to be included, they want to be validated. But again, going back to the danger of social media is we don't know our true peer group, Mm -hmm. right? We don't know a lot about the people who we want to be in the in crowd with. Mm -hmm. We don't know a lot about their values. We don't know about, you know, their their thoughts and their views on the world or themselves. Again, this is only just a clip of what's going on in their lives. And when we want to be in an in crowd, of people that we don't know, then our views of what's important and our morphs become somewhat skewed because now we're chasing uh, that in crowd and we want to be included in that in crowd and we want to be validated by that in crowd. But again, we really don't know that Mm crap, you know? And so it kind of reminds me of what my dad would always tell me when we were growing up. And he's a military guy and he would say quotes that would go over our heads, (laughs) but now it makes sense. He would say... Things like, you know, to live by a man's compliments is to die by their criticism. Mm. And I think that's what we're doing when we're on these social media platforms, is that we're chasing the likes. We're chasing, you know, I even had, you know, a client tell me that she counts up the likes and the hearts. And there's a difference between the likes and the hearts. And, and she gave me permission to talk about this. But that stood out to me. Because we're what would happen if you don't get a heart or a like? Mm -hmm. how does that validate you or or invalidate you in in regards to being a part of that peer group, a peer group that you know little to nothing about? And so that's the scary part about, you know, having to navigate social media, how we're using it to validate our sense of self and, you know, feeling included and involved in a peer group, again, that we don't know anything about.
0: Yeah. And it definitely, you know, and there has been also been research that talks about Like you could be having a perfectly good time at a party and like enjoying yourself. And then you go on Instagram Mm -hmm. and see some of your other friends at another party. And then that lessens the good time that you're having at your party. Um, You know, so it's like, like even though you were initially having a good time, now maybe this party doesn't seem as fun because you're not Mm -hmm. the other one.
1: Absolutely. And I use the analogy sometimes when, you know, I have clients who talk about, you know, their reactions to social media posts or what someone comments on their page. You know, I say, well, why don't you call them and give them your social security number? And they <laughs> look at me like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm like, well, if you're not going to do that, call them and give them your bank account number. I'm, I'm not doing that. Well, why wouldn't you? Because you're giving them free reign over how you feel about yourself, which is actually more important. Then your social security number and, you know, your bank account number. Your self-esteem kind of drives everything that's important about you, but you give them all free access to that.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: challenge that, you know, frame of thinking. By, you get, you're giving them, you know, all this access to you or how you feel or how you think or how you validate yourself. But there are some things that you feel are off limits. But why is your self-esteem not as valued as other parts
0: of your life? I love that analogy, Audrey, that I think is a great way to think about things. So the point that I was thinking about earlier, you mentioned, um, you know, like people will share certain things on social media, you know, and and people will say like, oh, this is not the appropriate place to share that or, you know, well, why wouldn't Mm -hmm. you because this is, and I do feel like, like people who have kind of grown up with social media being so accessible, don't necessarily have the same boundaries around like what is shared online versus not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in some ways I sometimes see that as like oversharing, but I think you're right. Like, because it's just what they do. That's what they do. Um, but I'm curious about your ideas about like what kinds of things do feel like oversharing online or does nothing feel like that to you?
1: (laughs) Again, I, according to my clients, I am, uh, the grandma of social
0: media.
1: So, um, but you know, I think that if if it's something that you wouldn't feel comfortable sharing with your family, but you share on social media, I think you should take a, a step back and say, you know, why do I feel comfortable sharing it in this platform and not with people who I trust and who you know actually know me and actually care about me? Mm-hmm. So you know, you have to you have to question a person's um, comfort and you know their intentions on doing that you know what what are they getting to you know what are they trying to get from sharing this particular information with a crowd of people who you don't know their response you know you you can't trust that everyone's intention will be good when they're you know giving you comments on your on your social media feed so i think that's where i would start as asking you know what about what you posted, did you not feel comfortable sharing with people who actually know you and care about you? And so I think when it gets to that point, when you wouldn't share it with your family, but you will share it with a group of strangers, then that's something that we can kind of talk about a little bit more. You know, I know plenty of people who have reported sexual assaults and sexual molestations or, you know, even come out as homosexuals on social media platforms. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes it's a freeing experience, but you also, you know, it's a, in the back of your mind, like, what was it about this platform? Did you feel comfortable not, you know, expressing yourself to people who actually know and their intention is to care for you?
0: Right. And I do think, though, again, kind of going back to our conversation about like how intimacy is created, I do think that people have legitimately formed some very strong relationships with people online, right? Like that may even be more supportive than family members.
1: I agree. I definitely agree. Everyone's family is not the same. And mm-hmm. so, you know, everyone's family may not support some of the views that you will post online. Um, but again, you still have to think about, you have to, wonder what they're wanting to get from this open form of people who don't really know them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think it's one thing, like if you formed a connection with people online and then you have like a private group chat that you share to versus Mm -hmm. Facebook where those people will see it. But it's also in some ways exposed for people who may not love you in those same ways. Right. And you're kind of opening up to commentary from people who you wouldn't have necessarily intended to see the post or whatever.
1: And and not only that, being an employer, Mm. these posts never go away. So you have to be mindful of that. Your, Your image of how you view yourself today may change in the next five years. The things that you think about today may not be the same tomorrow. You never know. You know, again, I am so grateful that we didn't have social media in college <laughs> because I don't think um, I would be a psychologist. Right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but that's an example of being mindful of what you put out for public consumption and how people develop their filter of, around what, you, what the information that you give them how that can change throughout, you know, throughout the years and over time. So you have to be mindful of that.
0: Yeah. And I do think it's important to reiterate that, you know, because we see people dig up screenshots of tweets from five years ago. Like, oh, remember when you said, you know, so yeah, it's absolutely, even when you think you've deleted it, somebody likely has a screenshot of it. So you should. A
1: screenshot. That is the
0: enemy. The screenshot. You should not ever (laughs) think that anything is ever permanently gone. Exactly. So what are your um, tips and strategies, Audrey, for how we can set some like healthy limits around social media usage?
1: I like to have my clients walk away with practical tools that they can use, you know, not just always sit and talk about theoretical concepts about, you know, social media self-esteem. But the, the three most influential practical tools that I give them is the first one is limit your access and your convenience. So what I mean by that is most most people, majority of people have every uh, uh, social media account, you know, a login for every social media account. They have a Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, um, Instagram, um, Tumblr. But do you need all of them? If a majority of them are serving the same purpose, why not limit it to the one that you like the most? So if you have one for entertainment and one for professional use, Just limit it to those two and kind of deactivate the others. The the second part of that is the convenience part. A lot of the social media platforms have apps. Delete the apps from your phone. If the issue is you're being inundated by a lot of um, negative comments and it's causing you to feel a certain way or even images that's causing you to compare yourself to others, just delete the app from your phone. Because if you have to go the long route by going through a search engine, typing in the, web, the website, typing in your username, the log, it takes a lot of fun out of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, take it off your phone and it will reduce the frequency by which you utilize those web forms. The second one is set screen time. So for all of the parents out there, you know the importance of not letting your kids sit in front of the TV for eight hours, right? So you say you only get one or two hours a day and that's it. And you have to do other things to be productive. The same applies to social media platforms. Set screen time for yourself. You can set durations, meaning that you're not going to use social media platforms any more than two hours a day. Right. You can set frequencies. I only get four times or three times a day to look at social media and then you can also set times of the day where I'm only going to so- check social media during my lunch break. So setting your screen time is really important. And I also recommend to my clients that they refrain from checking social media early in the morning and right before they go to bed. And that's because you don't want to start your day off being inundated with everyone else's clutter, right? And you don't want to start your day off in a negative you know, frame of mind also you don't want to go to sleep that way either. You don't want to go to sleep with the comparisons, the negative thoughts, the images of what you wish you could have done. So you want to refrain from, you know, checking social media early in the morning before you wake up and late at night. You know, I even recommend if you charge your phone, don't charge it by your bed, charge it in another room. So in, even if you wake up in the middle of the night, you don't feel inclined to roll over, check your phone and check social media. So just take it out of the room, put it in another room. Um, But lastly, be intentional and purposeful when you're choosing social media. Again, my mind was blown when they told me LinkedIn was the new (laughs) Tinder. Completely (laughs) blown. So if your intent for a social media platform is for entertainment, use it for entertainment. If if your intent is to use it for um, professional use, use it for, for professional use. And try your best not to get them intertwined and mixed up because then you won't have, you know, separation between your personal life and private life. And then everything starts to get muddled together and starts to get really confusing. And now you don't know which one is which. So being purposeful and intentional with how you use the social media.
0: Those are some great practical strategies. I know your clients love that kind of stuff. I would hope so. (laughs) So, tell us where we can find you, Audrey. What is your website as well as any social media handle? Well, you said you only have one, so probably not a lot to share.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where can I know, you- I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, my website, you can find me on the web at calyxpsychological.com, and that's calyx, C A L Y X, psychological.com. Or you can email me at info, info, at calyxpsychological.com. On Facebook, Um, our Facebook handle is Calyx Psychological Services. Again, that's C-A-L-Y-X. And if you're in the Memphis area, you can call us, um, schedule a consult or an appointment. Um, The number is
0: 901-413-8663. Perfect. And of course, all of this will be included in the show notes for anybody who can't take it down while they're driving or something. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, RJ. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, it was a
1: pleasure. I'm finally glad that we were able to get our schedule, you know, on the same energy wavelength that we could schedule this, exactly. this time to talk. So I really, really um, enjoyed it. And I'm, again, I'm so, so proud of you.
0: Thank you, sis. I'm so thankful Dr. Townsend was able to share her expertise with us today. You can find more information about her practice in the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash 70. And we would also love it if you made sure to share this episode with two new people in your life. Or you can share your takeaways in your IG stories. Make sure to use the hashtag TBG in session. I'd also like to again thank our sponsor for this episode and encourage you to check out the masterclass offered by Sheena of Black Girls Heal this Friday by going to therapyforblackgirls.com bgh masterclass if you're looking for a therapist in your area be sure to visit the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com/directory and don't forget that the TBG merch store is now open so if you want to grab a t-shirt or a mug to show your love for the podcast you can do that at therapyforblackgirls.com/shop and if you want to continue this conversation and join a community of other sisters who listen to the podcast, join us over in the Thrive Tribe. You can request to join at therapyforblackgirls.com slash tribe. Make sure you answer the three questions that are asked to gain entry. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week, and I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.